quick testimony before I get started. Not testimony, but just backstory. Um, it's not my place to share because, you know, I, I haven't heard it anywhere, but like, um, unfortunately, you know, someone had to go through a heartache uh, recently, and with that being said, you know, I was asked a day and a half ago, just like, hey, can you preach? And um, a lot of the youth, right, we've been writing about, uh, in, your, in your chats, talking about it, just give out your yes, right? Yeah. And I just immediately said yes. I was like, yes, don't worry about it, I got it. Um, but that kind of just like, okay. I was And I was hyped, too, because I know usually, like, I read my Bible a lot, and I, usually, I know usually that um, I could find something, and I wouldn't work, like, in that second, I wouldn't worry too much. But the next day, which was Wednesday, um, I, I started to just try to gather my thoughts, and oh my god, it was just, it was crazy. I haven't felt this in a long time. I don't know if it was the enemy just trying to like deter me from what God wanted me to share, but I was just all over the place. Like, I, I think I'm on a roll, like, oh yeah, these verses are, oh, this is great. And then I'm just like, my spirit is like, no, no, this is not it. And then, like, I'll find something else. Like, I can tell you I have like four notes full, full of uh, verses. Maybe there's some like messages for the future. But every time I got to it, I was like, it's not it. There was even a moment. Remember last week when I said like, oh, I haven't preached since since um, the paradigms message in the old church. And Esther was like, oh yeah, because the last time you were supposed to preach, you just worship, you just worship God the whole time. I was like, oh yeah, that's what happened because God stopped me from preaching a message once, and I had to like be obedient. And He said today we're just gonna worship in, in His presence. So that was like also a lost message. So I even went back to that. I was like. Maybe this is God was saving that message for a time like this. And I went back to it. I was like, all right, this is going to be the one. I'm going to focus on it. And I'm going to focus on it. And then before you know it, I think I paused for the, uh, yeah, I paused for the prayer call. Jumped to the prayer call. Amazing. Join the prayer call if you're not in it. God is moving. All we have to be present. We're making it even easier. You're going to have to leave your home. Yeah, we still can't. Like, we don't have time. We can't go to a Bible study. We can't go to a prayer call. Uh, I understand. No, I didn't understand before when it comes to the temple. I'm just being nice. That's what church people do up here. But we make it even easier. It's not for shame because I go, I go through the same struggles. And it, sometimes it takes thinking different. It takes not conforming to the patterns of this world. Instead, oh, I got to do all these other stuff and say, man, I need to invest in my eternity today. Because even with a prayer call, even with a Bible study, even with an encounter night, even with a Sunday service, those are just a few hours in, at most compared to everything else that's getting your life. You think you think God is in the lead with the world and the enemy? They are they are getting so much more of our time when we think just a few hours all these days are gonna do it. We want you to be there because we want to help be a part of the process of breaking habit. But also it doesn't even start that call, it starts that morning when you wake up. Who do you talk to when you first wake up? Are you finding that secret place? Are you able to worship the way we do here with our hands raised up, looking all ugly with eye our makeup, eyeliner going down our face? Do we do that at home? Are we able to experience God like that? Do we pray loud at home? Or is it just for me here? Challenge yourself. And not to say, well, because so I heard spoke to someone once and they're like, well, you know, I'm more I'm more reserved here because I, I just felt like um I just felt like, you know, I was being like uh like showing off and you know it looked like I was being like proud in this place. I'm like, so I wanted to be feel more natural so that it could be more like when I'm home. And I was like, no. To be proud and to worship God in that way, not proud of yourself, but proud of a God that has saved you, that is good. It's good to throw up your hands and surrender. It's good to praise God. What we want to do is now we want to match that same experience and bring it into our homes. 
was going the wrong direction. The reason I know is because take you guys out of the atmosphere in church and go to like a something you really love, a concert, a basketball game, whatever, football game. I've seen some of y'all, how loud we get and how, how we excited we get for those things. So it's not even to say that when you're excited here and you're doing that, that's unnatural because when you're genuinely happy for something, it comes out. What I'm saying is that when we come into the house of God to worship the king of, of the universe, that we shall match that same intensity even more. It's more important than the past, right? And I know he knows that. That's why he yells up here. He's like, I got to match. I got to match. Oh, no, I got to overmatch the past. I had to shout, y'all. I never really did but it is important to look at it through that lens. How excited do we get through, do we get about things that are not God? That emotion right there, God is a jealous God. So he sees that, he's like, oh, they can get that excited for that, or, or they can cancel all their plans to be there, but they can't cancel the plans to be in my house. That hurts God. Guys, you gotta understand how much it hurts God to see his house empty like this. And not just TDP, there's so many churches that are probably empty this week. This year, even before that it was happening, but this year has just destroyed a lot of the trust that we have. And fear has been the God of many people this year. But we have to turn this stuff around, and I, I pray that we're taking the right steps. But it's going to take more than us to just being in the right place. But like the message when I was going around, and going around, that as we get there, that we take people with us. And that is the power of the church. So, what are... Long story short, today, I just woke up, I worked today uh, from 9 to 6, I woke up, or 8 to 5, and I woke up a little earlier, and I just went down and I just put some music on, and I just began to like pray a little bit, and I was like, God, just help me, uh, help me to focus, help me get my mind on track, because I, didn't, I know I could put verses together and just present something to me, but I'm really, it was this urgency, and I texted some close friends of mine that, it was this urgency for me to be connected to the heart of God. And not to share just something that I learned, but to share what God wanted to be taught today. And God wanted to be spoken today. And then out of nowhere, it just began kind of to come together. And it actually ended up being like little ingredients of all those other messages that I got. And like, I guess they were like, they all made sense to a certain extent, but I was just losing like scrambled eggs in my brain. But today, it just began to make all the sense. And they would come together little by little, even down to the last point. And when I tell you what I'm talking about, you're going to know it's God, because I would never pick this topic if I was um, putting a message together last minute. So I don't know what today's going to be. It is, it is like, I don't know if I would call it preaching or like a Bible study. It's a passionate Bible study, if anything. But just because there's so many verses, and I feel like, Man, that's a lot of verses for a preaching, but why would it, why is it bad for a preacher to have a lot of verses? That's a whole other subject, but that's a pattern of this, that's a pattern of this world. My preaching and my passion about this thing. But God just began to put in my heart heavily the tabernacle. And I'm just like, I haven't studied the tabernacle for like years, for a long time. Yeah, look at that. Please can right there. I haven't studied this time, but this is why I did this, because I wanted some visuals. It's hard to get a picture sometimes, but um, I was, trust me, trust me, trust me. Like, I envisioned us talking about this as a church for years, like a, like a 10-week series or something on Sundays, but I'm not involved. And for this to come up, and the amount of details are in this, 
for me to be talking about this, trust me, it's God. Ain't nobody, ain't no preacher in the world saying they're preparing a message the same day of of the tabernacle. Yeah, just a little bit. Ain't no one saying I'm preaching about this just last minute putting it together. So pray for me. I'll get I pray against all distractions and anything that deter me uh, from being able to preach and teach the message that God has given me today. I pray that we're able to capture the beauty and the essence of what this meant for us and what it means for us today. I pray, God, that you may be with me, God. Cover our ears, cover our hearts, God. Protect them, God. I come against distractions, God. Anything that may go into our mind that may deter us, God. I pray for a good ground in this place today, God. I pray that we we may be attentive to your word, God. That you may speak through us through the intricacies of your tabernacle, God. That you may show us the beauty of what it meant, God. I pray, God, that you may give us a spirit of understanding, God. Help us to focus, God. I come against all distractions. I come against anything that is not of you in this place. And we cast it out and send it to the pit of hell. Father God, I pray each individual today, that they're able to receive something today, that they may strengthen them and empower them in their walk to you as we seek you, God, before anything. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. But, really cool. We're going to get into it soon. We're going to have another one that's like a little right above. We're going to see get into it soon, but this is like the picture of the tabernacle that we hear about a lot. In, um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let's get our Bibles ready because we got a lot of reading to do and I gotta try to figure out how we're gonna do this. So we're gonna start with Hebrews chapter nine, verses one to 14. Hebrews chapter nine, verses one through four. Oh no, one to 14. I'm reading for NIV. You guys might be able to follow along because we've got a lot of verses. So if anything, I'll give you a a recap at the end. I'll message you guys the verses. And you have it, say amen. Amen. I'm only doing that for the first verses. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. Amen. 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 Thank you. This is cool. Like, wow, Josh is starting in the New Testament on the tabernacle? Oh, yes, I am. They all, they all go. Someone, someone once told me, just rip out, rip out that divider in the middle of your Bible from old to new because it's just all one story pointing to Jesus. Amen. The word is written in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. It was called the holy place. With the second curtain was a, was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark for the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark was the cherubim of, of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. I was in a, as I was reading this to myself, I was like, I said, I was actually planning to say that right now. I was like, yes, church, but we're not going to go into that detail because there's a lot. And then the, the, write, the writer wrote about it. I was like, yo, that's very funny, you guys. But no lie, that really happened in my room, and I was talking to myself. Don't judge me. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room 
and that only and that was only once a year, never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people who had committed ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying unto the time of the new order. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, it is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of goats and, cal and calves, but he entered by the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on these who are ceremony unclean, um, sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through this eternal spirit offer himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Amen. So I'm going to be speaking, there's no titles and stuff up there. You can leave it there. I'm going to be, speak, be speaking under the title, The Place We Need to Be. Exclamation point. I put that in my notes. The place we need to be, if anything. Yes. But it's the place we need to be that God put in my heart. And yes, as, as we started discussing, we're going to be going through this tabernacle. Um, and bear with me, this is an intimidating topic, but God, just take the drill. If you could go to the next one, just so you can kind of see an overview of what it looks like, and then we'll hang on that slide for the rest of the night. And this is going to be easier to see. So all that, all that beautiful stuff you saw, this is all it. Oh, you know what I found in my house? <laughs> I just forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like TV Jakes, Tabernacle Series. <laughs> so, so, yes. Because I figured, I was like, I, I was binging myself just running up there the whole time. I was like, I, I know I have a pointer here. So, you said do it again? <laughs> so, oh, no, no, it's fine. So, we are going into this tabernacle. Guys, I know you may, for anyone who's new to God, just... I pray that you're able to receive what's happening today because I'm telling you truly, truly, there's a beautiful story. And this is not just a building in the Old Testament. And it's not just a cool story that you've seen in a movie. Like There's so much significance into the tabernacle. Anyone who is seasoned here, you guys would agree to me. And, and even like, yo, I haven't even gotten deep into that study because it's an intimidating topic. Um, and I know there's so much more for me to learn. So from what we saw, it's so we kind of see that picture. Go back to the other one. Christian, I lied about this being the one of the rest of the message. Can I turn it off the mic? Yeah, yeah, for a second. Yeah. Just so you guys can remember really quick back to back. Just click up, click that one, there you go. No, it's fine. So just so you guys can see, I'm gonna leave it there for a second, then you're gonna switch back. But this is like, this right here is all the tabernacle, and then this is like the surrounding tribes. The tribes are always to have God in, in the middle of it. So let's go to the other one now, so you can kind of understand. Remember, the surrounding tribes are around here, right? And this is the thing that we were looking at. So right here, you'll have the entrance. You can turn on the light. This, this is the right one. I'm going to go back. Right now, right here, we have the entrance of the tabernacle. The cool thing about the entrance is that's exactly where the story begins. What the entrance of the tabernacle, I can't even believe I'm talking about this. It's crazy. 
But the entrance of the tabernacle was really cool because when you're looking at all the significance, how do we get in here? Which one? What what are my other options? So if you say this is how we get into God's presence, right? Yes. I can only get into there? Yes. Cool. So John 14.6, Gospel of John 14.6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you look at the picture of the tabernacle, which is to draw an illustration of what it means to really get into the presence of God, it was the former, what, which, what will be the latter, what we have today. But there was only, it's not even that was significant. There's only one way to enter into God's presence, and that is through Jesus Christ. So very simple. This is why you'll go to church and they'll ask you if you want to receive the Lord God as your Lord and Savior. It's not enough to just come here and because you like the music or come here because they teach well. But it's important to know that for you to be saved, there's only one way. And it's through Jesus Christ. It's not enough to just worship God. That's why we have a lot of religions, right? Judaism is not based off of Jesus Christ, right? Because they don't agree on that. Uh, we have Jews for Jesus, but I'm talking about Jewish culture, right? They don't accept Jesus, but they still worship God, right? But there's only one entrance into that tent, right? Or to the most holy place. And because Jesus is the only way. Yes. It's important to understand that. After that, we go into right here. The bronze altar. Anyone know what that's for? Say it loud. Sacrifice. So that is where the sacrifice... What, what, were, what were we sacrificing? All right, cool. So, this is Bible study style. This is where the sacrifice happened, where they would bring an animal, and the animal, the animal would die. The animal, what are you laughing about? The animal would die in 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 our place. What does that sound like to you guys? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ would be the one, right? His his death. So we know there's only one way, right? To, to, to be, to be in, in that salvation and it's through Jesus Christ. And how did it start? The sacrifice. So we also have to receive him as our Lord and Savior and understand that it is through his death that we have a remission of sins, that we are forgiven of our sins. Galatians 5 16 through 18, and I'm going to skip ahead to the bottom. It says, so I, saw, so I say, walk by, Galatians 5, 16, verse 16, so it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now we go down to 24, Verses 24 to 25. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So now that only doesn't symbolize the death of Jesus Christ. But as we pursue God and we step into his presence, right? We want to pursue God. It's not about just going straight into his presence. You got to understand that there's a process. This is why sometimes we feel that block. Because we walk in this church not understanding what it is to be in God's presence. And what we do is we're trying to find a back door and we're skipping the whole process. But there was only one entrance and it was right here. And it was through, through the Father, through Jesus. 
and it began with sacrifice. This doesn't only mean the sacrifice of Jesus, but according to Galatians 5, it's the sacrifice, the killing of our flesh. So if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go into the presence of God here in encounter night, that means my flesh had to die. That's why the first step was getting past your tiredness, was getting past the distractions or the plans that you have, or that you work tomorrow, or that you have whatever, or school, or that you have 20 kids, whatever it is, because we're Hispanic, sometimes we have 20 kids. Uh, but it was getting past the flesh. There were so many things that stopped us today. This is why the first step into getting into God's presence is the, is the killing of the flesh. You can't get into the presence of God without killing your flesh. And that's, what, that's what's free, being preached a lot today. We, we want to enjoy God's presence without any sacrifice. We want to get there and we want to pray. There's so many people that just casually they pray to God or they put something on their social media. Yeah, I believe in God. But they have no relationship throughout the week. They just go to him when they want to pray. They just go to him when they need something. It's not designed that way. That is the patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to that. In order to get into God's presence, it takes... Takes... Sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. And it takes the killing of the flesh. The next spot is right here. The bronze basin is also called the labor. So if you're reading the Bible and you're reading different things, the basin and the labor, or the labor, whatever you want to call it. What, what was this? What did it look like? So for anyone that's never seen it. So a basin is like a bowl full of water, right? Cool. So what the next step was where they, the priests, so after they offered up the sacrifice, thank you, they would step into the, the basin. That's where they would have a ceremonial washing. It's pretty cool. Just as you're, as, you, as you're reading or looking at this and hearing this, picture it leading you to Christ. Always look at everything. This is where we wash ourselves in the Word. Amen. If you've ever read your Bible, you may have read some references of this talking about the Word being like water. Where it washes. Ephesians chapter 5, chapter 25, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. This is cool. It's an analogy that, that God drew for us to kind of understand what was happening in the process. It says, Husband love, Husbands, love your wife, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the read that again. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holiness and blameless. But, but holy and blameless. So when, when the Bible or God, this is an inspired word of God, is talking about this experience, we're talking about this stage what? As the washing through the word. Because we understand, right? And we don't just wake up and know this is right or wrong. What did I say before about building up the sermon? How do you know? It is through the word. So it's, as you get on that journey in the Bible and read, don't make it so intense. As you just begin to do it, there is a washing that happens because you begin to open your eyes. Now you begin to see right from wrong. You begin to know what is God's desires. So when you're praying and you're making decisions, now you're, you're doing this according to God's will. But that can only happen if you have the word. But unfortunately, the reason you see so many, so many people, adults and youth, 
fallen away from God is because they've gotten into the sacrifice, right? And they get into this area where they're supposed to be going deeper into the word, but they don't. They skip that. And what happens? There isn't a washing. There isn't a washing of, of yourself, of the flesh, because there is no word. This is why we're powerless, because we're not teaching how you should be getting into this every day. There's so many verses. That could be another title, uh, another, uh, another study title. Another, I don't even know how to learn other, another title. But that could be a whole other series or topic on just talking about how the Bible continuously over and over tells you to do it daily. Do you believe this is God's word? Do you believe God is commanding us to get into his word daily? I don't know if you want to answer this one. Are we doing it daily? Wait, wait. Do we, I, I said before, do we believe that we have to obey God's word? Yes. Do we believe that God's word teaches us to seek it daily? Yes. Don't answer this one. Are we doing it daily? <laughs> so we are okay. This is generally speaking because it's a church issue in America. Because I, I don't know about other countries, but I would assume the enemy's using the same attacks. But we, at, for some reason, we have become okay with blatantly and knowingly disobeying God's word. That's not okay. And I'd be the first one to do it. Because I don't even do it every day this week. And I'm the one preaching. And I know it. And I talk about it all the time. And I missed some days. And I was okay that day with 24 whole hours. 24 whole hours. And I didn't find a way or a time to seek his word. Even like a verse. Like, that's, that's terrible that I would just give him a verse. He wants our time. But what got my time? The temporary. It's easy. You don't even have to ask. It's something temporary. If we are neglecting God, it's because it's something temporary. That makes no sense, but we do it. So the word washes. What else does, what else does this represent that you guys are familiar with? Familiar with maybe nowadays? Water. Baptism. So it also represents baptism, right? This is important because what happens when you when you're baptized? You become a new. Yeah, that was right too. The old has become new. So when you're baptized, you're a new creation. We I, someone said a recent. I mean, we always talk about this, but when you go under those waters, there's other verses to support it. And when you go under, it's symbolism of the of the death of Jesus Christ. You're going under in His burial. When you come out. You are in, stepping into his resurrection. This is so important because we had to have, first there was only one way into the tabernacle and it was through Jesus Christ. We have, there's a crucifixion of our, of, our, of our flesh and also the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Then we step here and it's through the word that washes us, that helps us to filter and make the right decisions. Because, and then through baptism we are a new creation. And this is in the way. Like it was specifically, like when you're reading the instructions, it's telling you that this has to be between the entrance of the holy place and the altar of sacrifice. Because there was no way for you to go straight from the flesh sacrifice into the most holy place. There had to be a washing and there had to be a renewal. You had to become a new creation because the Bible also teaches us that no good thing can, no dead thing can enter into the presence of God. It's cool as you, as you begin to study this. So nothing dead can enter God's presence. This is why we, we step into that place through the washing of the word and baptism. That we're a new creation and we're brought to life again. 
So now all the Israelites, they were kind of, every one of those tents that you've seen around there, they were all kind of allowed to like, to roam freely, but they couldn't, they could only be in the outer courts. Who was able to go into the inner? So this is where it began to change up a little. So the high priest and the priests were able to enter the holy place. So now we got like this big tent that you saw in the other photo, but it was divided right here. So it was like two rooms. So we got, depending on you know versions that you're reading or things that you heard, but you got the holy place and the holies of holies, or the most holy place. You've heard different things. So we got two sections. So now we're able to step into this area. This is the fun part, right? This is cool because before this, everyone else is only allowed to be in the outer courts. Now we get to step into the inner, the inner court, the inner, inner courts. And once you go in, we got the on this side the table of showbread, and we got the the the, the golden lampstand on my version. I just pulled this PDF lately because there's a lot of names for them. So you got the golden lampstand and you got the table of showbread. The gold I put here that this is this represents so on here there was on this table there was twelve loaves of bread and it represents uh, it also represents the word look at this because you can't so if Jesus is our sacrifice right and he was also the beginning and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word so you mean I need the word in order to receive him I need the word to wash me and when I step into this holy place I still need the word. You see the theme here when we talked about how it's supposed to be an everyday thing? So the word also, not only does it cleanse us, but it also nourishes us. So it brings to it brings to my eyes the things that are wrong that I need to do, but it also fills me with the encouragement. It fills me with the tools, the strength to be able to step out there and face the enemy, to be able to step out there and face the, 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 the strength of the flesh that we have in this world. So a lot of us will stop just in the washing of the word, right? Oh, now I know right from wrong. And we don't continue to read. And this is why we go, even though we know what's right, we're defeated every time we go into new situations. We don't, we don't succeed in the battles that we're supposed to be winning. Because we've washed ourselves with the word, and we know what's wrong, but we haven't, we haven't eaten from the word to nourish us. This is part of why we could be okay with knowing, knowing through the through the basin, right, the washing the word, knowing that we have to read the word daily. But when we step in this place, even though we know we haven't really ate from the message, because if we did, if we accepted it, then we would be continuing that process. This is important, guys. This is so, this is so cool when you get to do it, when you get through it, because it also, it also allows you to deal with the idea that God is not real. Because you'll, you'll go through different stages in your walk, either with the wrong type of people around you or you just begin to question stuff you don't understand. And Sometimes you think God is, no, God is not real, but when you start to see every little detail, I'm talking, about a, I'm talking about a building that was thousands of years, like years removed from what would happen in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. These are people like way in the beginning doing this, but every detail pointed to Jesus Christ. It was designed. That's why, that's why God told Moses to make this in the pattern. A pattern, you ever did a pattern on a dress? Like, like for anyone who was sewing back in the day, I don't know if they, that still exists. I know my mom used to do it all the time. But a pattern was just an overlay that you put, and then on top, it's for people that didn't really show up. So, sorry about it. But you would follow the pattern, 
and you put the thing on it, even though you're good, but you know. But it's so that you can follow the design. It was important so you could follow the design. Sorry, Mom. But this is what he said, when you're building the, the, the tabernacle, do it according to the design. Because he was painting a picture in the old, what would be, even though this was temporary. So we're still dealing with the same issue, right? Temporary versus eternal. This is temporary. The tabernacle was temporary. It's something that had to do had to be done every every so every every uh, every now and then. But Jesus Christ, as we learned in the beginning verses that we opened, that his death was the final sacrifice. So it's, it's created according to the pattern. Now let's connect. Let's go to John six thirty five. This is just more. I guess support for what we're talking about. When you're connecting the bread on that table, the bread of, the bread of presence. John 6, 35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. We're going fast forward to Jesus. So he said, if you come to him, you will never be Hungry, and you'll never be. This is what gets me excited. When I didn't like the Bible, like, like I'm not gonna lie up here. Like I didn't like it back then because I felt dumb. I didn't understand it. But as God in that encounter, as I began to, op He opened it up. He said, "I'll show you." It's these little details. He began to highlight out of nowhere. It wasn't me. It just happened overnight. I'm telling you. Like the day before, blank. The next day, it was just like it was opening up, and it's all these little things that gets me excited about what we're doing. So the labor and the table of bread, they were like, they had to go with each other. It was the washing of the word through the water, and then it was the nourishment of the bread. And I'm not even, I'm only touching on the surface of it. You could go way deeper, and any of the people who study here, you could go way deeper on this topic and find even more symbolism, but I have one night to do this. I didn't, I didn't ask anyone if I could do a 10 week series. So I'm trying to jam this all. But if anything, I'm hoping that I spark interest in you so that when you're home and you begin your daily plan today, that you begin to dive into these things. Amen? There's, there's a lot of content online, too, that will teach you through this stuff, too. If you need help, do whatever it is that you need. Not only does it symbolize that, but it also symbolizes the communion. What did Jesus say at Passover? Take this bread that is my body, that is broken for you. So that's just an example of like, all right, we got the bread, the bread representing the word, but it also represents communion with God. This is where we begin to connect with God through the word. We're one with God. Communion doesn't only just mean you and God either. It means you and the people around you. This is why the greatest command was to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love yourself as you love others. Those things all go together. Jesus was summing up all the commandments and said it stands on these two things, to love him and to love people as you love yourself. And I heard a message recently that we thought that God was just shrinking it into just two. But really, if you look at those two sections, they represent all of the Ten Commandments because you cannot do, you cannot not do one of them if you're loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind. And you can't, you can't do all the, a lot of the other things. You can't do any of the other things without loving yourself and loving God. Think about it. Stealing killing, adultery. How can you do those things? You will have to love God, you will have to love yourself, and you have to love others. So this is the place 
It's the word that nourishes us, but it's also the communion that we have with God, where, we, where it symbolizes the breaking of his body for us to be able to step. All these things were stepping stones to us to be able to have it. Even when you think about like the Gospels, as it's happening, you know the story, if you've read the Gospels and it's building up, you're like, oh, his death is coming. And then you get to that stage with the Passover, it's just like a step closer to what ultimately will get us full access to over here, but that's coming soon. Then we have the golden lanterns right over here. This was the light source for that room. So it would be there was no switches back then, guys. It was just a lamp, old school, and that was before I even got the symbolism. That was the light source of the room. You wouldn't be able to see anything you're doing without having the lampstands in there. One rule that they had was that the lamps would always have to stay Woo, burning. burning. You couldn't let it. You couldn't let them go out. This is what we talk about. Like last week, remember when we all jumping in there? It's a different type of service. What we're talking about not letting our flames burn out because as you go closer to the presence of God, that's one of the requirements: not to let the flames go out. How do you do this? They had to do this twice every day, every morning and every evening. The oil was refilled so that the flame would not go out. This is why when you wake up, you have to get into the Word. This is why when you go to sleep, you have to get into the Word. This is why in Joshua 1.8, uh, he says, he says, he teaches us to meditate on the Lord night and day. It was all a picture of what we needed to keep the flame going. If you're wondering why the flame is going, are you, are you filling your oil twice a day, every day, to make sure that it doesn't run out? Because if we did, we would be in his presence. I know we have access to it, but guys, these are steps that get us there. Nothing is a coincidence. Then we wonder, right, why we feel disconnected from God. I have gone through that too. And I know every time I feel disconnected to God because I, I failed at a step in this journey. And over here is like, yes, it's a slow process. But in reality, and what we live now, it's all happening at once. So we have to crucify the flesh. We have to wash ourselves with the word, nourish ourselves in the word, and be communion with God's sacrifice. And then we have to light our lamps. The important thing of this, you know how important it was to continue to light a lamp? Not only does it represent the light source of the room, it represents the Holy Spirit. And without this light source, it would be impossible to be able to do what you had to do over here. But sometimes we're over here, we haven't lit our lamps, and we're trying to understand the Word of God. Wow. And this is why it doesn't make sense to us. This is why for me, I was struggling, because I was trying to get into the Word without having the light source. But the moment I invited Him into my room, and I had that encounter that night, the light source took over, and the Holy Spirit is what taught me. This is why the day before I said I understood nothing, but out of nowhere I understood. It's because I began to put oil in my lamp. So I don't say this in vain. Guys, let's put oil in our lamps day and night. It's hard to teach, but it's so good. Even to produce the oil was a process. So it's not now just going into the going into that the holy place, right? And now just, oh, I, I go to Aldi and grab a bottle of oil and just fill it. No. I don't know what you were calling it back then, right? Jonah's. <laughs> but 
It was a process to put oil in the lamps. And back then they had to press. It was through the olive. And the olive would have to be squeezed. And you had to get enough for all the, all the candles because there were a lot of candles there. In case you're wondering, this is also called the menorah, which you would know nowadays. So the olive had to be squeezed in order for it to be lit. So not only, not only is it just like, all right, well, I got to turn on the lamp. But you got to understand that it's work. You don't just invite the Holy Spirit into your life. But it's a process. It takes killing your flesh. It takes washing yourself with the word. And it takes stepping into the holy place, squeezing out that oil so that you can get to that. And a lot of us, we just want to get, our goal is over here, right? And we're just like skipping through this whole process. And we're wondering why, why God is quiet. Or we don't hear him, and we think he's not active, but God is telling us that there's a process to come into my place. God is not a liar, right? Whatever he says, it always stands. This is how we access. Don't we have Jesus Christ? The, the pattern still exists to get into his presence. I don't want you guys to think that you got to go build a tabernacle in your backyard. But there's a pattern into getting into his presence. If It's a process, and it's hard. Guys, it's hard. There's so many things that we have to do, but you have to do it. If you really want to live a life that's powerful, that's able to penetrate the people around you and bring them into his presence, that's able to get you to not get stuck in, in these things that just keep knocking you out, you have the steps that you have to take. This experience, this walk with God is not accidental, but there's things that we have to do. So we need the Holy Spirit. To light, to light the room. Cool thing, I'm not, I'm not gonna get into it, but out here, what was the light source? So natural light. The closer you get to God, the more He begins to get involved. The lamp was gold, and the gold represents royalty. It represents God, and then us lighting it represented humanity. So it was a partnership between God and humanity. So as you get closer to God, it's a little less of you and a little more of Him. Over here, we didn't have to do anything to produce the light. We can still get a lot of stuff done without God, right? We can still do a lot of things without having Him necessarily light the way. But the closer you get, you have to have more in God. That's why when we begin our journey, oh, it's easy. I gave my heart to God. Oh, yes, I just jumped in a pool and I got baptized, right? But then sometimes we, we fall out, right? We get, we get knocked out by the world because we haven't continued to get to the process. But as we keep going deeper, it becomes less of you and more of him. It's so important to understand that. That's why you say that sometimes when we're praying, like, less of me and more of you, because we want to remove our flesh. We want to kill our flesh and allow God to move. This is what we were talking about at the start of, at the, at the start of a message when we're just trying to go deeper. It's about making it less about us and more about him. We're in that partnership. That's what's happening here in the church, that partnership with God and humanity, where they meet. This is so cool. Another thing that I'm not going to get into, because so I just learned about it today, um, I'm just going to give you a snapshot. The Bible is so cool, and God is like so God, that these little details, like I don't even understand. So in, in the book of John, there's something called the seven I am's, where, where Jesus referred and said, I am. We heard some of them today, right? The bread of life, I am. So there's a seven I am's, which is also cool, because what was God's name in the Old Testament when he revealed himself to the people? He said, what, what, what should I tell them sent me? He said, I am has sent me. So when Jesus said those seven I am's, right? Not only was he, was he just saying deep stuff, but he was also speaking and declaring that he is God. 
He is God, one God. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that's another topic. Trinity, one God. But when he's saying, I am, you wonder why the people were upset because you hear them grumbling all that time in the New Testament? It's because this guy that they grew up with was just saying like, oh, that he's the Lord, he's the one to come. So we jump into the seven I am's. It's really cool. So I'm only going to go through three, but just to show you how lined up it is. So when you set up the tabernacle, because this is something also, it was like, it was a project in its own because the tabernacle and the, and the tent of meeting, the inner part, it was always on the go. When you talk about them traveling for those 40 years, that didn't have meals. So they had to break everything down and they had to take it to the next place. So it took work to carry God's presence wherever they went. But every time they would have to set it up a certain way and we can get into that in a lot more detail. But aside from the, the most holy place, which is a given, that's the most important spot, right? Because there's no way except through Jesus Christ, right? God's presence is number one. And the veil that separated that, there was an order in which they put in the stuff, which was the, actually the first three things that they put in. They didn't even count this as part of it. It was like a given. Like, even for us, it's a given. God, God reigns. He's number one. Regardless, we're going to have to count that. So the first things they would put in were the table of shoe bread, in this order, the light sand, and the veil. This is a, this veil right here, this covering. So this is the veil, and this is the curtain. So that order, bread, the light, and uh, I mean, yeah, technically, this is, when you look into the translations, the words for this is door, and this is veil, curtain. So bread, light, door. So the first thing that you brought in was the table of shoe bread. Guess what the first I am was? The first I am, John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. What was the second thing? The, the golden lampstand, the menorah. Guess what was the second I am? I am the light. Yep. John 8.12. I'm not going to go in deep to it. Guess what's the third thing? The screen door. Guess what this one was? John chapter 10, 7. He says, I am the door. And if you go through the seven I am's, it was just like, I could like, I should have it on my phone. It's crazy. It's crazy. I was like, what? I can't go into detail, but look. Then the next step, the next item that they put in as they set up the tabernacle was the altar. And then the next I am was, I'm the shep I'm the good shepherd. And, and he talks about, I forgot the verse by heart, but it's talking about that a shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Altar. Sacrifice. Labor. I am the resurrection. Screen to the courtyard gate. I am the way. The truth, the life. And the last one was the anointing of the priest. And it says, I am divine. And it goes deeper into that. But it's crazy. Like, this is not an accident. Our God is not fake. He isn't just orchestrated about a group of people. None of this. None of this can happen by accident. I understand if you're new, you're new to God, you're going to get in this journey. But it's good to know that in the beginning of your journey, that you know that God exists. And nothing that happens in my life, nothing that deters me from it is going to change that. And that shall always push you closer to him. This should intimidate you. This should say, I, I want so much more. I desire so much more. Then we got the altar of incense. Really cool. This represents 
represents prayer. Revelation 5, chapter, uh, verse 8. And, when, and we're going now to the future of, a, of another pattern as in a vision of the tabernacle. It says, and, we had take, and when we had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a heart, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of God's people. So just like the lamp, right? We talked about the lamp being evening and uh, morning and evening that it had to be refilled with oil. The incense had to continue being lit. Guess what? In morning and in evening. This is important. As you're jumping into your word, don't neglect prayer. You have to start. Actually, the two can't even exist without each other because I can't open up my word and seek and have his Holy Spirit unless I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal what I'm reading. That's what, that's what happens. So day and night, meditate. That's why it says day and night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> meditate on the word day and night. I didn't even think of I was even in my notes. <laughs> Prayer and the Bible. Joshua 1.8, meditate. Day and night, meditate on the word. Oh, my gosh. This is so cool. So your prayer, your relationship with God through prayer, it, has, it can't just be when I show up to church on a Sunday or on a Thursday. It's every day, day and night. You can't do one without the other. I can't refill my oil. I can't eat of the bread. I can't do any of that if I'm not seeking God in prayer and in the word day and night. This is what it takes to maintain that presence of the Holy Spirit. If we were all to do this, imagine how the city would look. This church would not be empty if we all did this. It would be impossible. Look at this. The instruction to Moses on how to, how to do this step. Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 to, 30, uh, to 38. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, I don't even know what some of these are, oincha, galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. And this is how they're making the, the actual oil. Um, all in equal amounts and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it, grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant. So some of this is going to be. So you have prayer that's in the holy place, and you got prayer or the incense that's going to be in the most holy place in God's presence. It's also a, a, a different ways to how you pray too. Wow. There's a shift. Sometimes we're praying for certain things, but sometimes we're just praying for God's presence. And in that, you'll see when we're just saying stuff like this time where I'm praying and I. I just, don't, I fall short of words. And it's just like, well, God, you're so awesome. You're so amazing. You're holy. I am nothing. Like, less of me, more of you. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the, the incense that's, that's um, sprinkled on that um, altar. Grind some of the powder, place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most, it shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. So he's saying that this has to be so special. This special these prayers that are that actually serve a purpose. We're gonna go deeper to it, but it has to be just for him. It can't be for yourselves. Meaning they could have made that fragrance and then also used it in their day-to-day -day things. This is how God is. When, we lift, when, we, when we're filling that room with incense and we're praying to him, it can never be about you. 
This is why when you pray and you talk about like being connected to the vine, as John chapter 5 talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. Later on in that chapter, where it talks about, and later on, we, which is the verses that we usually like to read, not everything else, but it talks about anything that anything you pray for will be answered. It all is rooted in the vine in the beginning. It's only answered if you're connected to the vine. So this is why it's important that we don't we remove ourselves. So even with the incense, they said, you can't use this for yourselves. This has to be solely for God. When we pray ourselves, we have to be removed. Hopefully by this stage, we have killed the flesh. We have washed ourselves in the word. We have given access to the Holy Spirit to help us. And as we do this, that's all byproducts of being connected to the vine. And remain in him and I in you. Because we're doing this, once we get to the stage, we're able to pray stuff that's in the will of God. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he told us, Our Father, I don't know how it be that name, your will be done uh, uh, you come on earth as it is in heaven. The way you pray heaven down to earth is to be connected to him through divine. The way you do that is to follow the pattern that Jesus, that God designed from us from the beginning. Amen? Amen? This is also why when we, when, we, when we pray and we worship, if this is a stage of prayer worship to God, it can't, that also can't be for ourselves. You can't also be up here singing because you sound good or us sitting here and applauding like we're like their number one fans for an instant concert because it's never about anyone here. I don't even want to hold that lightly. You think this is supporting your friend? Let me, I want to let you know that sometimes when we're clapping like that, we're going crazy, even though it's in the right place, it can open a bad door for the person that's up here. Yes. But for a second, they forget that it's, oh, it's, not, it's not about God, that they forget it's a, that it's about God and, and not about them. Because we're all, we're all humans, right? There's moments where you, you can sing a riff and you can be yes, proud right. in that moment, but you have to catch that quick and say, oh, this is not for me. I'm just trying to paint the picture of what God is doing. That's why sometimes I tell you guys, don't cheer when they worship. It's not about us. Amen. It's about God. Amen. So if you get excited because they sang great, let that bring your praise and worship higher to God. Amen. So it can't be, when we're at this stage, it can't be about us. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance, so if I'm making incense here so I can enjoy the fragrance, that's a problem. The reason we're doing this, the reason we pray and we worship, is to create a fragrance that is pleasing to our God. And it said if you caught anyone doing this, they were to be cut off. That's how serious it was to God. I'm not going to jump into the story, but there's also a story where Aaron's sons, his two sons, they offered up what the Bible says strange fire, and it was struck dead in the moment. It's fire from the incense that was generated for themselves. It wasn't rooted in God. It got struck them dead. So understand that even the priests were not exempt from that. Aaron's two sons, you know, Aaron's Moses' right-hand man. Even them, it talks about strange fire. So also, be careful that you're not offering strange fire when you're ministering unto the Lord, when you're praying unto the Lord. Check yourself. And the only way that strange fire would happen is if we skip these steps and just came straight here. You can't just show up and be ready to offer worship and prayer unto God. You have to kill the flesh. You have to wash yourself in the word. You have to eat from the presence of God and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to light your ways and your decisions. If you do all this, oh man, there's no way you can offer up strange fire before God. Because there's so many steps that God has designed in the process to check us. 
The only reason we struggle and we get into our faults and we make these mistakes is when we take it into our own hand and we skip the process. When we try to get here, or we try to get here without that. But we're destined for failure if we do that. Those who have ears, let them hear. Guess where the fire, so they have this instance where they're making the fire. Where did that, where did that fire come from? So the fire that was used to light the incense, it came from the altar of sacrifice. So in order to pray a prayer that's connected to God, it means I gotta, I gotta bring this with me along the journey. The smell of the flesh, or the fire from the, from the smell of the flesh, the fire from there, we have to bring that along with ourselves on the journey. And it's just to remind me of where I got that fire from. That the only reason I'm able to enter into the presence of God is because of the sacrifice. That's the only reason we didn't go to the labor. We didn't go to the labor or any other bread. We didn't do anything from here or grab this light. We didn't grab this light. We had to remember that the only way I'm able to enter the most holy place in the presence of God is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of my flesh. That is the only way we're able to do this. That's good, right? You know what else? This was right before the entrance of the most holy place. So not only did it serve as a place of worship, but the Bible shows us that that smoke would enter through the top of the curtain and fill this room. It's important to know that not only the smoke would enter, but the smell. So that when the high priest stepped in before the presence of God, though they may have the sacrifice, which is which probably smelled like flesh and reminded him of how evil we were. The incense will cover the smell of the sacrifice that would probably turn us away to God. And oh, not only that, they would pray that it was very smoking and very covered so that when God is looking to us, they would, he wouldn't see the sin that was in us. This is what your incense does. When you're able to bring a praise and worship to the Father, strong and pure from the heart, he's able to look past the sin and look at our sacrifice and look at our hearts. That's what we got here. That's what we come up here and we pray and we worship. It's not going to be crazy. This is why we spend so much time in the beginning of the service or get connected. Things that, have, that happen on Sunday are able to happen. It's because we created an aroma that is able to cover the stench of our flesh. That is able to block out the things that we've done. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see the flesh. He doesn't see death. He sees the smoke and he sees, smells the aroma of the worship and the praise that we bring before him. This is how we change the city. This is how we change our family. This is how we change our lives. Man, that's so much stuff. I don't even want to go in there now. I, I'm ready. But we have, we have to go there. This is good. I don't even know how I'm doing this. Thank you, God. The place we need to be. That's the title of the message. So... The title of the message was because this is where we're heading to now. This, though I listed all that stuff that's part of the process, God is for us to do everything that we want to do, for us to be even empowered in our own lives and to connect with God like never before, for us to do a March and Halloween day, 
and not because we celebrate the holiday, the holiday, because we don't, because of everything that it represents and everything that's done. It don't matter how nice it is. It don't matter how. Oh well, I only celebrate it because, uh, because you know, my kids. I don't really, I don't, I don't sacrifice. So it's okay. It's not. You don't stand for that principle. It doesn't matter. What if I told you? What if I invited you to a barbecue, um, in a KKK house? You're not, you're not killing people. You're not racist. Will you still go to that party? No, because we don't stand with what they stand for. So I don't put myself there. So it doesn't matter whether you're, in that scenario that I mean, it doesn't matter if you're racist or not. It doesn't matter if you do anything to harm people. It doesn't matter because you're there, you're standing with people that are not in, in your same mindset. This is why we don't celebrate Halloween in a nutshell. Because we're not, even if you find stuff that's innocent, you don't do these things. We don't partake with the things of the world. But anyway, that's not this message. But for us to do that march, that we want to do to change the world to revive the city it's not going to be it's not going to happen that day and even if it did happen right even if we did nothing till then and it felt powerful that won't sustain it won't change the city it will just be hype it'll just be excitement for one day we see that already we do that already why why add something else why add another thing that's already doing that that's been done so many times well we get excited remember when the sun came how excited we were and then it faded away <laughs> it's the water from the basin. But it faded away. This is what, unfortunately, this is what revival is in America. It's a big service, it's a crowd, but it's not connecting with God. We're okay with revival happening out here. But true revival takes you through the whole process and it happens in here. Unfortunately, we're only hitting the surface as a country. And as a world, because I know it's happening in the world. This is where our revival is. Actually, this is where our revival is. Where the tents are. Because we're streaming from home. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but this is where revival is happening. But God is like, I need it to happen here. And if we could do it here, it's something that sustains us. It's something that changes us. It's something that pushes us. I don't know why God told me to do this randomly today. I wouldn't have done this in one day. I hadn't studied the tabernacle in years, so there's no way. But I know God was able to show me stuff today and remind me of stuff that was hidden in my heart because he needed to do it. For us to get revival, we have to understand this. It's not just a pattern of old. It's now. It's our relationship with God. So in the holy place, we got right here, the ark of God, which represents God's presence. Now we went from, we talked about it earlier, right? His presence being around here. So we go from omnipresence to manifest presence. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, which when they go to battle, they will walk with God in the front, and they, as long as they had the presence of God in front of them, and they were right, they will win those battles. But inside of that, guess what's inside? So, we have... What was right here? Uh, the, the, the water that washing through the word. We have the bread. We're getting nourished through the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what's inside the Ark of the Covenant? The law, which represents the word. That was there was no Bible. They didn't have a New Testament then. That was the words of God. 
So even in his presence, you still his work comes. And why? John 1, 1, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Was God. So even though Jesus is carrying the sacrifice along in the journey, like he's also, the Word was with God, is with us, but he also is God. It's also there. So in his presence is also his Word. We can't, we can't fall shy of his Word in his presence. That's, okay, in case you were waiting for a part of the, of the steps where you're like, all right, Josh, I can put my Bible down because it's Saturday, Sunday, and I don't have to read Seven days a week, five days is good enough. No, it's something that happens every day through every stage of the process. You know what else? How was, what was, how was the light? What was the light source in here? How was it lit? Christian, you go back to the other one. Let's look at the light source. You guys have mentioned it in songs and stuff like that. It's called something. The Shekinah glory. How is this lit? How is that fire turned on? Go back to the other one, Christian. How? What was that fire? How did that fire get going? It was all God, just God, because we know when they when God would lead them, it says it was a a pillar of. I'm trying to remember the Spanish one, but there's a pillar of fire during the day. A, no, no, during the night, and a column of smoke in the day, or clouds. But that fire, it wasn't sourced from anything that they did. It was all God. So, remember what we said. Natural light, we have the partnership with God and us, creating the source. But the deeper you go, the more God. The process is always that as I get closer to God, it's less of me and more of Him. So at this stage, it's the Shekinah glory that's filling that place. It wasn't, there was no light source. This was the light source. And this is what we have to get to, that as we seek God's presence, as we get closer to Him, that we, there's less of us and more of Him, and we're able to rely just on His presence. Isn't that so beautiful? This is also a place where no one can see. This is where the high priest went. It was an intimate moment with Him and God, offering up the sacrifices for the people. Because it's important that you don't just do things in the outer courts or in the inner courts. You can't just do stuff where people see you. It's not about just being in this building, though we said that this is important. It's not about just going to a service in the week, which is also important. But it's what you do in your secret place. You have to be able to access this most holy place on your day-to-day -day life, on your home. The power of the Shekinah glory and seeking God and letting Him light your day and letting Him be your source. Too many times we're either letting up, we're letting the outside things be our source, but we rely on the world, we rely on our jobs, which is what keeps us from getting in closer. But if we knew that God was the source, then it wouldn't matter if the job doesn't let me work. And it doesn't matter if I, oh, this is the only job I took and it's taking me farther from God. It means you could say no because your source is not out here. Your source is in the most holy place. And if you seek him there, then he will take care of everything. This is why he's, this is what he talks about when he says he's the bread of life. He's telling us that he is the source. The prayer that he, the Lord's prayer, give me this day my daily bread, is relying on the source. A lot of us are stuck in the outer courts. And if we're good, we probably get into the most holy, the holy place. We'll get in there when we start working. But God desires us to go deeper where nobody can see that intimacy. Only the high priest can enter through that veil. This is where a lot of us stop. 
and the problem is is that we are okay and I'm finishing up we're all okay we are okay with allowing other people get there and not us this is what the system was guess what everyone else they're out there and they had to rely on other people to see God's glory in their life but I thank God for the beginning verses where we saw because we have Jesus Christ we have full access to the glory of God but though we but we're still conformed to that old thought this is why we're okay with allowing we still do this we still allow other people to, to get into the holy place and not ourselves go there even though we have access and until we break that we won't break anything in our lives we're okay with going through a service being casual we're okay with not reading our word we're okay with the pastors or leaders or someone we look up to going into the holy place for us and offering that sacrifice, but that is not what God designed. That's all in vain. That was what's old, but Jesus came and died so that we could gain access, so that we could fill our flesh and do the watching of the word and the invitation of the Holy Spirit that we could go into the most holy place. I'm going to close out with a few ver with these verses and then we're done. Look at Moses, even before the tabernacle, look what happened. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard, and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick uh, darkness where God was. The people there, and this is before the tabernacle, and this is where it all started, they were okay. They had the opportunity to get closer. And because of fear, they distanced themselves and said, Moses, you just go and find out what God says and tell us. And this is what's happening today. I'm trying to like preach this into us because this is what happens today. We are okay with having people that we look up to, people that we admire, pastors, leaders, people that we see online. We're okay, people, ministries that you see on Instagram or Facebook. We're okay with seeing them and watching them be at that place, but not comfortable with us getting to that place ourselves. We are okay staying at a distance, but God has designed this whole process. Because the moment we do that, we ignore, we, and we put, to, we put aside the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He did that also that we can rip those traditions and get to that place ourselves where we can't be satisfied with that. But we still operate with this veil here as if, oh man, this is as far as I can go. I can't go deeper. A, a random service on a Thursday. Well, it's not packed. Uh, there's not a lot of people. I can't go deeper. Josh is just because he's a youth leader and he, you know, he likes to read the Bible. That's why he's like that. So he'll do it. He'll pray for me. He'll jump up and down for me. He'll get excited. I'm just going to sit here because I know it's the right thing to do. But it's not about that. It means every opportunity that we have that we're able to get through that veil and access God. That's why in a service like today with just a few people, you can feel the presence of God and you can feel him move and you can feel him push you and you can feel him motivate you and you can feel the love because it doesn't matter how many people are here. God is still God with a thousand people and God is still God with 15 people here. We have to get past ourselves and we can't be okay with allowing other people to be our Moses, allowing other people to look in that holy place and not say, no God, I want to be there. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your Shekinah glory. Matthew 27, 50 through 51 says, and when Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. Even when Jesus died, just to tie it all up in a bow, 
when Jesus died, the curtain, the veil in the temple itself at that time was ripped open. And Jesus signified that it is finished. My people could come before my presence. If we understood this, we would bring everyone we knew here. We got here today. How many people did we bring along with us? Who did we invite? Who did we beg? Sometimes we got to beg. We talked about this last time. If Jesus was to come tonight, if it was someone's last day of life today, then we do everything we could to bring him to a place where they can meet with him. Even if they couldn't get here, then we take that moment to minister. Because the Great Commission wasn't for the churches to do it. It was for us individually to go out and preach the gospel, baptizing them. Not only that, discipling them. It's another step we miss because we miss the process. Too many of us are making people believe, but we're not discipling them in the process. We're make believers. And it has, it's definitely a pun. We're make believers. We're making believe that we're following the Great Commission. And we're making people believe, believing them alone in that process. But the Great Commission was to go out and make disciples, not make believers. And we make people believe, we bring them to the temple, we allow them to hear the word, but we don't disciple them. We leave them there for the pastor to preach a message, but we don't text them throughout the week. These are some verses. Have you read your Bible? Have you done this? If we did this, then none of us will fall. That is the power of the Church of Acts that we haven't even gotten into. When they were all in one accord and no one was with need. It's because they were making disciples, not making believers. It's time for us to stop making believe that we are following the Great Commission. But understand that we need to step up and put ourselves to the side and make disciples. And go out and preach. It begins in our schools. It begins in our families. It begins in our neighborhoods. Who's down the block that you haven't preached the gospel to? Who's in your family? Do you have a kid? Do you have a cousin? Is there someone that doesn't have Christ that you're just pushing it off? What if Jesus just came? I was talking to Ryan. I was like, yo, are we having this conversation? Jesus could just come. It's going to happen to somebody. Someone's going to be in the middle of a conversation and he's going to come. It's never going to be what the church pictures that we're all there on a Sunday in worship and then it just happens. Jesus will come. For some people, they will be in church. For some people, they should be doing randomness. For us to say that, for, to live today as if Jesus wasn't coming, is to say that we know when he's coming. And no one knows. He could come right now. Is this the picture of salvation that we will want when he came? Or could we have pushed a little harder? I didn't do good. I didn't do good this week. I tried a couple, but I could have gotten more people here. I could have sent a couple more annoying messages. If the enemy is going to be annoying to them and remind them every day of all the bad that's around them, can I not be annoying for the life that I could pour into them, for the salvation, for the change, for them to be a new creation, for them to be made new, for the old to be gone and to be new to be there? We're so afraid about what people think. The integrity of what people think, how, what they think about us. We should be more worried with how God thinks of us. If we did that, if we really filter our life through how God thinks about us, this place would be packed. All of us could have done better. Sunday would be packed. We would be having these real conversations with people that are close to us. If we were really connected to the vine. I hope today was a culture shock 
for all of us to understand that, man, we could be doing something in the process a little better. But if I'm fully connected to that entire process, to that entire pattern, then there's no way. It's hard. It's hard. But there's no way for me to be there because the closer to you get to God, the less of you. I come against anything that's coming into your mind that says that, oh man, you just want to sound cool. Oh, you're going to talk again. Anything that's making you stop from sharing that word to somebody. Because the closer you get to God, the more of Him, the less of you. And that's what happens to me. I know I'm getting close to God. I know I'm seeking His presence. And then I hear voices in my head saying, don't send that message. Don't do that. They're tired of you. You message them every day. And I know, even though I don't know, I'm fighting there, but I know the closer I get to God, the less of me, the more of Him. So that if I'm getting closer to God and I feel the urge to do that, it's not my flesh. It is God because I'm stepping into His holy place. If only we did that, we got past ourselves and what people would think and how they would be or what they would think about us. We should start worrying about what would happen if they died. What would happen if Jesus came today? Would, they be, would, they, would I be in paradise and people be left here? It's not just about the people you see lost in the world. It's the people in the church because we know the New Testament teaches us that people will go there and they will say, didn't I do this, didn't I do that? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. It's because the relationship that they had, you know what they did? They did all these things out here. But they never carried it through to the most holy place. They got stuck in the outer court. And a lot of the church is stuck in the outer courts. A lot of the churches are stuck in the outer courts. If you've never been here today, don't be worried that you're in a bad church. We are seeking the presence of God. But this is an issue that transcends one building. It's something that the enemy is doing and is written about in the Bible. That in the end days, people will become lovers of self. That is the issue. We're so in love with ourselves. But if we... Ourselves dies right here. Ourselves should die in the beginning of the process. We're waiting, we're trying to go through and not deal with the first step. You have to kill your flesh in the first step. And if you do that, we'll be out there. So guys, if you are afraid and you are timid, I'm telling you today that God has something powerful waiting for you. That when you give your heart to God, that he fills you with his Holy Spirit. And that is all you need. That intimidness or that scariness or that shyness or unworthiness, that is everything that God, that's God is like, yes, this is the perfect recipe because when you do it, people will know that it wasn't you. It was all me. So you, are, you have the requirements. Everyone that we're talking about, this beautiful thing, it was brought by a man that stuttered, a, a man who couldn't talk, a man who made mistakes, a man who killed someone beforehand, a man who continued to doubt. If you look through the Bible, it just continues to happen. People got used, made mistakes. Oh, David, the great David, who finally, who finally conquered and got people into the place that they needed to be. David was an adulterer. David killed people to cover up his sins. David did all that. Solomon did the same thing. He made mistakes. Look at the disciples. Even they were making mistakes. We talked about this last time, but Peter didn't even realize that the Satan was inside of him. God will use you. But then there was that same Peter that God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. God will use you in your flaws, in your weaknesses to fulfill his
his plan. So I pray today and I cast it out because I believe it's a stronghold in the church. I come against any thoughts that are limiting us from giving, delivering the word that God has given us. I come against anything that allows us to feel unworthy. I come against anything that is stopping us from delivering God's word. Let us pray together and stand up with authority. I come against anything that is stopping us from fulfilling God's word. We pray today, God, that you may strengthen us, God. Allow us to kill our flesh. God, allow us to wash ourselves in your word daily and to continue to refill our oil, God, to light your life, that your Holy Spirit may guide us, that when we do this, God, that we may light an incense that is pleasing to you, God, a prayer life that is pleasing to you, God, that when it hits your throne, you are unable to see our flaws and our sins, God, but you're only able to see your sacrifice, God. We pray, God, that we may be a church that is able to get to your most holy place, God, that we may find you, God, that as we go deeper, there's less of us and more you, God. I pray, God, that you may lift us up, God. I pray that today we may break the bondage that the enemy has over his church and over their mind. I come against fear, God. I pray that we may step in, and this may be the season that the gifts are birthed at this church, God. I pray that we may see the miraculous, God. I pray that we may pray and people may be healed, God. Not that we get reports six months down the road, God, but instantaneously, God, that the healing may happen, God. I pray, God, that the Bible may come to life to us, God, and that as we do these things, as we seek the greater gifts, God, we will see it in fruition, God, day to day in every service that anyone connected to us, God, may be healed, God, that by the very shadow that people will be healed, God. This is not fake. This is real. And this is in Scripture. Father God, I come against anything that is blocking and stopping our minds, God. I come against any selfishness, God. Help us, God, that as we go deeper to you, that there's less of us and more of you, God. Less of us and more of you, God. We pray, God, help us, God. Kill our flesh, God. We pray for your Holy Spirit to indwell in us, God, that it may light our ways, God. And that as we pray to you, God, we are able to find you, God, in that secret place, God. And that as we do this, God, we may see the change that we need in this world, God. That you may see the change that we need in our lives, God. But more than anything, that we may seek true relationship with you. And that as we do this, God, we fill the house, God. We fill this place, God. We pray, God, that we may live every day like if it was our last day, God. And we will preach the messages that we need to preach to people, to bring them to your presence, God. That we may read our word, God, and seek you each day as if it was our last day, God. We pray, God, that you, when you come, God, that we are ready, God. That our lamps are lit, God, when you come. Father God, strengthen us, God. Strengthen us, my, my Lord God. And I come against any attacks of the enemy that's limiting us, God. Help us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, we pray these things. This is the place that we need to be. This is the place that we need to be. But we're gonna close up in just a couple minutes. But if you need to come up here and you need to pray for you to get past that place, come up here. I'm not gonna pray for you unless God tells me to. I gotta be obedient. But leave, don't leave tonight without creating that aroma and that prayer that reaches the throne of God. And let him know, pray, that as you seek the most holy place, that he reveals the things that need to be changed. Remember the pattern, God. This, this guys, this is the place that we need to be. So the altar's open. I'll leave that song playing for a few minutes. If you need to come up here, come up here, and then we'll close out the service.